Hey, welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be here on a beautiful Thursday afternoon, a bonus episode where we will be talking all about the Umbrella Academy Season 2, complete heavy spoilers. If you have not watched this season or don't want to know what happens at the end of this season, stop what you're doing, go watch it. Then come on back and listen to this. This is your spoiler warning. I'm going to go ahead and throw the spoiler warning right here. This is... Prepare yourself. At Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. We're so grateful you're with us, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. My name is Max Mosier. I am the host of this podcast. Here with three other Infinity Bros today. I'm here with Infinity Bro, Mark. Mark, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be here. That's it? Yeah. I feel like when people listen to this podcast, they're expecting more from you. Are they? Gosh. Especially after that last review. Come on. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I want to save my excitement for the show because I got lots I mean, of opinions. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, you heard him. He just interrupted uh, the show uh, because he hadn't been introduced yet. But fine. I guess we'll introduce him. Infinity Bro, Jarrett. Jarrett, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm chomping at the bit to get on this episode, which is why I will cut all of you off at some point. So uh, gird your loins and be prepared. Ooh, gird him. I've never heard the term gird before, but uh, I will go ahead and assume that is. Yeah. Well. So I need to know, are your are your loins thoroughly girded? I don't know what that means, but I'm going to assume that yes. Okay. All right, fair enough, sure. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to assume yes. Um, and then finally, Infinity Bros, Zane. Zane, how are you? I'm doing well. I've just been uh, sitting here patiently waiting for my turn to talk. I'm like, Jarrett. Yeah. It, Jarrett thinks it's the wild, wild west out here. Yeah, seriously. He can just what talk a- whenever he wants. <laughs> if If... Zane, real quick, if you had to label the Infinity Bros as the numbers of the characters we have in the Umbrella Academy, who would get which number? Oh my gosh, Zane, do it. Let's look. Oh, wow. Who is it? Who are we? Wow. Yeah, Zane, this is all on you. I don't want to hear everybody else's list. I want to hear your list. All right, we're going to go... Well, I don't like. I don't even know my criteria. So, am, am no, I putting just myself? Just go. Am I putting myself in Reggie's shoes? That I'm putting in usefulness. You are to me. There we go. Okay, let's go. All right. Max is number one. Robbie's number two. And then the rest is a three-way tie wow. for everyone else. No, that's well, I was stupid. more so looking for you to like parallel <laughs> characters with each infinity bro yeah he just ranked the infinity bros <laughs> that's what that was you like literally just ranked us and I, I gotta tell you i am humbled that you put me at one and i think as the editor of this podcast i can guarantee that's gonna get out there. right uh, mark why don't you go to the, the route we were looking for which character would you label the infinity bros as the number of kids we have in this show here's the real thing zane uh luther is Max. Diego is Robbie. He's correct there. Um, beyond so that, again, one and two. Yeah, but you really didn't give a lot, so like, you know. Um, Jarrett is Ben, because he really isn't there, mm-hmm. but he is. Yeah, he doesn't really exist, <laughs> right. but he's there, air quotes. I'd go Isaac is Vanya. Um, 
Zane, you're Allison, and I'm Klaus. No love for number five, huh? Well, number five's a little boy, so, like, are any of you a little boy? Uh, he's a 60-year-old in a little boy's body. Yeah, well, yeah. are any of you guys that? <laughs> Max, do you want to be five? Is that what you're uh, We might need to edit this part of the podcast out. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to the Infinity Rose podcast. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Google Music, and Apple iTunes. We are obviously hosted on Podbean. And we're grateful for you, especially if you subscribe. And uh, we got a jam-packed show, as we talked about at the front of the show. We're going to break down everything that we feel is relevant from Season 2 of The Umbrella Academy. And uh, really just excited to dive into this, guys. Uh, Real quick, just let's go through our... I want to talk about our ratings of Season 1 as we just dive in. Uh, You may not be familiar with our rating system if you're checking out this episode for the first time. So we want to make sure that you know how we rate things on this show and how we're going to rate things, characters, and specific events in the show. So I'm going to put that rating bumper right here. Here on the Infinity Bros Podcast, everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a 6, it gets an Infinity Snap. Jarrett, we're going to start with you because I know you're a huge fan of um, this comic. What would you rate Season 1 of The Umbrella Academy? And then we'll kind of dive into more of Season 2. Season 1 is a 6 out of 6. Do you want me to give my rating of Season 2 right now or or just... Let's hold off on Season 2, but just give quick thoughts of Season 1. Season 1 was fantastic. I like that they took inspiration from the comics and then kind of did their own thing i think the character development specifically in the tv series was done better than it was done in the comics um i actually went back and rewatched it in preparation for this episode and it still holds up it like i didn't lose a bit of interest through the whole thing six out of six for me zane season one what did you rate it i don't remember now if i gave it i think i gave it a 5.5 what would you give it today would you hold that still i'm gonna yeah i'd still say it 5.5 what does it make it a six for you? I just, for me, because like that's what I said in the beginning, the the end was predictable to me. And just the whole, like I've said, it just it was the whole Phoenix saga ending, the whole Apocalypse Maiden story, which it, it was, I just felt that that was too, I don't know, it's not foreshadowed, but like I felt like they could have done that differently. Agree to disagree. Mark, what about you? Um, well, I didn't go back and rewatch the first season. Now I kind of wish we did when we were like halfway through the second. But um, I think I probably gave it the same as Zane. I don't remember exactly, but probably a you know a mid five. It's so like a five out of five or five point five out of six. Would you? You're saying you'd still keep it at five and a half out of six? Probably without rewatching just what I can remember. I mean, to me, I mean, I agree with Zane. It was, I guess, predictable because you know. Of course, they're going to have to figure out a way to get out of it for a season two. It's not like they're just going to kill them all and be like, yep, that's it. One that's season. That's fair. That's fair. That's okay. That's, that's... It was something new. I, I'm kind of digging these, like, they're not necessarily big name comic stories, like a Marvel DC and Netflix and other shows are just, and like Amazon have just been going all out on these and just, I think doing a good job. So, Yeah. I would have given it a six. Uh, I believe my rating was a five months ago, but after going back and rewatching it, I gave it a six. Uh, season one of the Umbrella Academy is one of the best seasons of television in last year. 
Um, it was, I actually went back and listened to our Stan Lee's episode for 2019, which is what we kind of give our overall yearly awards to. And it got a lot of Stan Lee's from us. Um, it was one of the top TV shows for us. And so I think that still holds up for me. I would also give it a five and a half out of six, but uh, just in case you're not familiar with this, uh, basically the synopsis is pretty simple. A family of former child heroes now grown apart must reunite to continue to protect the world. It obviously stars Ellen Page playing Vanya, Tom Hooper playing Luther, David Castaneda playing Diego, Emmy Raver Lampman playing Allison, Robert Sheehan playing Klaus, Aiden Gallagher playing number five, and Justin H. Min playing Ben Hargreaves. It also has Calm Fior playing Reginald Hargreaves, Jordan Claire Robbins playing Grace, and Kate Walsh played the handler. Adam Godley gave the voice to Pogo in several episodes. And the mocap. And then in season one, can't... say it again. And the mocap as well. He did motion capture he for that did. one. did. Yep. Uh, well, there you go. And then this season in particular, Ridu Arya played Lila. Um, we'll talk about her this episode as well. And you can check out the rest of the uh, cast on IMDb. A uh, couple little interesting facts about this show that I'd love to share before we dive into it, just to kind of get you thinking through this. Aiden Gallagher, number five, was not allowed to be on set during gunfight scenes because of child labor laws. Instead, a, bo- a body double was used. Uh, the Phantom of the Opera melody that Vanya plays in the very first episode when the characters are introduced is an arrangement arrangement performed by violinist Lindsay Sterling. Um, the review on the back of Vanya's book is written by Gerald Gerald Way, and I want to find a couple other here. Gerard Way, thank you. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Gotcha. Um, in the comic book, every member of the Hargreaves family has a code name. In the series, only Luther is sometimes called by his co- his code name. Jarrett, what is that name? Um, Luther's is Space Boy. Space Boy. <laughs> Better than Jarrett. Yep. <laughs> this is Ellen Page's third comic book feature after she was in the X-Men movies. And you could check out the rest of those on IMDb. I just thought those were the big ones. But I uh, thought that was interesting that Aiden Gallagher didn't uh, get to be on set during those uh, fighting scenes. Uh, really fascinating. We're going to go ahead and talk about our overall reviews of season two before we dive into each character and specific circumstances. Mark, let's start with you. What is your rating of season two of the Umbrella Academy? And also provide a quick why you rate what you're rating it 4.75 is my rating for season two and and i think my wife my wife kelly and i watch this together and she loves this she loved this show um but or especially season one but i couldn't like for the first seven episodes i'm like how can you guys still be such arrogant buttholes and and just like not to get on the same page for like seven episodes and so, like, just self-centered and so concerned about what's going on with yourself instead of banding together. It's like, why did that have to happen again? It was just my whole trope with it. But it's like, Five has to do the same thing again, get everyone together. Granted, you know, they all got there at different times. So, you know, some people have been living a long life. So it's like they've been going down a different path. But um, that was just tough for me. And then, after, like, season or episode eight nine and ten really caught up for me and just like the ending of the whole season i'm like i want season three now because i want to see that story be told and i just can't imagine it's another oh the apocalypse happens now in nine days because i would just throw my tv across the room if that happens again but i digress overall i still enjoyed the movie 
or the the series and I'll probably rewatch it. We'll probably watch season one and two in preparation for season three. So there's my little bit. I think it's hard for shows, just as a side note on our show, it's becoming obvious it's very difficult to get an infinity snap on this show. It seems like somebody always has an issue with things that a lot of people like. Zine, uh, what is your rating? Well, actually, to comment quick on what Mark said, I read an article that the showrunner for this for season three, they're moving away from the apocalypse thing for season three. That's <laughs> neither here or there, but Good. maybe that'll help Mark out a bit. My rating, my rating for season two is be consistent with season one for me i'm giving it a 5.5 um really the like it's such a a trope thing on time travel stuff of like no like oh my goodness my life could be better here blah blah blah. even though it gets frustrating you're like guys just leave you're not supposed to be in this time um but that just seems like such a, a trope thing in time travel movies the only problem for me that lowers it down to the 5.5 that doesn't give me the six is I just the whole Vanya at the farm story arc. I just did not like that. Just so much about that. I just was like, this is just not, it, it wasn't relatable in the fact, like I didn't care about any of that happened. It seemed such a forced, not well-written. It just didn't feel like it meshed with the rest of everyone else's stories. Jarrett, I'll go next because I know you're an avid um, fan of this comic book, so I want you to have the last word before we dive in. I am going to give this a 5 out of 6. I thought I was going to be the only one coming on the show saying that this season wasn't as good as the first season. It's a strong season. Mark, a lot of things you're saying is fair. Klaus was unbelievably annoying this season. He's an annoying character. Oh, I can't wait until we get to the characters. I think, yeah, well, I'll save it. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. I, I'm just saying why I would give it this 5 out of 6. Klaus was very annoying, and I I kind of agree with some of what you're saying, Mark. Like the self-absorbed behavior that you'd think they would be able to learn from season one, they just doubled down on it. And I obviously understand the trauma they have in their family, and that's kind of the story: is they're really messed up people. Oh, woe is me, and that's part of the fun. But um, yeah, I I think it, there was a couple things away from a six. I agree; they they rinse and repeated a lot. I hope what Zane you're saying is true. Zane, make sure I get that link. I want to put that yeah, in the show notes. Make sure you it. find that. I want to make sure we talk about that, maybe even on tomorrow's episode. But yeah, I think I think I would agree with kind of some of the stuff you're saying, guys. I think there was stuff from the first season that we didn't need to redo. The first season had built this strong arc of characters, and I wanted just to see them develop, and it kind of felt like they took a step backwards. But it's neither here nor there. I, I, a five out of six is still a very strong grade. I thoroughly enjoyed number five this season. Every episode he's on the screen, I love him more and more. I loved how they all kind of chose very awkward spots to go to. So like Diego went to the mental asylum. Allison went uh, into the civil rights movement. I actually liked how they worked with that. I thought that was very interesting. And I didn't really pick up on that until the end of the season season when they were kind of talking about how they're all part of this like these small little misfit groups and I was like oh that that was a clever way to do that and Jarrett you can maybe fill me in more on if that's how they do it in the comic as well but um still a strong season a lot of cool stuff happening uh as we said in our group chat talking about this show a couple days ago this season was off the walls I thoroughly enjoyed it and I I'm looking forward to rewatching it Jarrett what about you I'm gonna echo some things that you guys said and also disagree with some things that you said uh, for me, this is a strong five out of six, uh, like Max said. 
I'm I'm not quite as high on it as um, Zane is. I think because there are some things that, th- to be clear, they changed a lot from the comic books for this one specifically. And I think some of those changes were for better and some of them are for worse. Um, that being said, like my biggest frustration with this is consequences. Um, specifically, right, like when we saw Allison's whole story arc, there was, and we can get into this more a little bit as we go on, but there was a lot of points that were being made about the way that they wanted to handle their protests in the civil rights movement. And then certain consequences of her using her powers just kind of disappeared as it went on. And it was just a bizarre transition. Um, there were some character choices that I didn't like. That being said, I still am in love with the series. I think they did a fantastic job. Um, for all my gripes, right, it's still a five out of six. It's still fantastic. I think they did a great job. They set up a lot of things for the future. Um, and I think that's really important. I think they they went directions that I didn't know they were going to put in the TV series. And I just, I was here for it 100%. So, um, was this season as good as the first one? No, I don't believe so. Was it still fantastic? Yes. If you've never listened to a review episode, we kind of do bounce all over the place. Um, and the idea is that it's kind of a conversation versus, you know, a set bullet point list of things. We do have a list of things we do on our show, but we want to leave it open for discussion and dialogue. So um, I guess I want to start with the character that we've all kind of highlighted a little bit so far, and that's Allison. This is another season with Allison where we're seeing her choose deliberately not to use her powers, which was a huge gripe I had in the first season. It was kind of the only gripe I had with the first season was... I, I didn't I don't like that she thinks this is like the worst choice ever and I want to see them play with it more. I'm with you, Jarrett, and I want to hear more about this with the civil rights movement. What did you not like and what consequences really frustrated you with Allison? Yeah, so they made this whole point about how when they protest, they want to do it the right way. Obviously, they talked about how we cannot be violent because it will make us look bad, all this. And specifically, she talks about how she wanted to know that she could do this on her own. Um, We know that in the first season, she really struggled with using her powers because of uh, the situation with her husband and her daughter, right? She didn't want to feel like she has to rely on that. Plus, obviously, she sustained her injury. And we see the reaction that her husband has when she uses it for the first time, just this pure, unadulterated shock and, and just frustration with everything going on. And then immediately... The next episode, it switches to where like she's flippantly using it and they're enjoying it together and they march back in there and they forcibly change this man's mind to allow them to sit and take an order in this diner. And to me, it felt like and obviously I'm not a person of color, so I don't want to feel like this is the end all be all. But it, it, it was like they had to use superpowers to get this done when there were actual men and women who who suffered through things and struggled to get it done, right? They didn't need a superpower. They were just incredible human beings who did this on their own. Um, and so it was weird that there were so many, she made a point not to use her powers. And then when she did, there was no consequence from it, right? Like her husband was just all in on her using her powers to get whatever they want. And it really seemed against the character that they portrayed him as in the beginning of the series. It was like literally one episode he flipped and turned around and there were no consequences of it. Well, and why use it on the guy at the diner when you're not using it on the guy that's coming by the the hair salon? Like, why not tell him, hey, I heard a rumor you didn't see this? Yeah, exactly. I I wanted to see that. Mm -hmm. I I thought they picked and chose their spots very poorly. Mark, what do you think about Allison's storyline in this? Yeah, I think you were talking about Max or... Well, anyways, um, like how she made... Like, obviously, seeing her, like... 
her story in season two, where she didn't want to use her powers and wanted to, I think, prove to herself that she could do something without them and be just a normal, uh, you know, person. I actually really enjoyed her, so. Zane, what about you? I enjoyed it, but like you said, too, it was a very, it felt inconsistent on, yeah, the use of the powers of, it was so hesitant, like, oh my goodness, I'm so, you know, scared to use this, but then, yeah, in one episode, it just, it completely flips, and it just, it just feels like uh, it, it was against what the character was, and like, yeah, like Jarrett said, there was no consequences when she used that, um, and that kind of fell flat for me. Um, what I was actually anticipating was going to end up happening as it went through this to find out that she rumored him to originally like fall in love with her or marry her. And I felt like that would have been a way uh, larger scale. And that's why she would have been afraid of using it because that wasn't based on her own merit. But like it just it flipped back and forth and it, it just didn't it kind of fell flat in that aspect. They have not capitalized on this character in this series yet, I feel like, still. And, and I feel like the, the chips were lined in the correct spots to do it this season, and they just didn't. I I, I would agree. I I really I agree with you, Jared. The civil rights stuff, they could have done way more with it. It's It started out so positive, and I was like, obviously even watching interviews with Emmy and, and the way that she talks about this, if she could go back in time, she would promote the civil rights movement. And I was... I was here for it in that first episode when they introduced that. I was all in and I was like, sweet, I want to see what this looks like. And then I just feel like they did a good job in the beginning to show it. And maybe even up to the point where she uses her her powers to stop the police officer. And then that whole storyline just kind of falls apart after that point. And I'm like, man, you guys had so many good things going on here. And I really love this character that you were building. But like the final execution just felt so dissonant to me. We see Luther kind of take a back seat this season. He's kind of playing supporting character to a lot of people around him. Obviously, they're still building up that Allison relationship with, with that got wiped away on the day that never happened in that episode in season one. I believe it's episode six. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but we're seeing him still kind of pursuing her. She is the main focus of his mind. We're, I, I thought his, his season was good, not bad, just like in the middle. Um, he did what he needed to do. He got a lot of screen time for a season. What, what were your guys' thoughts on Luther this season, working with the mafia, helping Five kind of do the things he needed to do with attacking his older version of himself? What did you guys think about that? I could not stand him this season. The only pl- the only thing I can think of right now that's a plus is when he went to go um, check on Vanya and he heard that she was around. He didn't kill her. Like, he made that decision not... To be, you know, to like try to reconnect because he figured out that, you know, she doesn't remember anything. Two out of six with Luther this season. I I did not want him any more than what we did. I could have done half of what we got with him. I totally disagree, Mark. I, I, oh I like I would give it a, I would me. give him a six out of six. And even though he didn't have a lot to do, he did so much in the first season. But that choice to not kill her was a huge shift. In the first season, he would have killed her right in the, right away. Only reason why he doesn't have a zero in my book is because of that. I like that he wallowed in food. I liked it. He was relatable this season. He wasn't like this like do-gooder, macho, tough guy like he was in the first season. Zane, Jarrett, your thoughts? 
yeah, just to jump in for Jarrett, like, yeah, I like that it was far more, I don't know, there's the human element, but, like, it, he's number one, but you forgot that he was number one. And, like, he realized that, the, like, the ranking system of, I was this, you know, especially from season one, I was, you know, up on this pedestal. But then it was, like, kind of this realization of, like, like that that's not necessarily who I am. And... Like, it was more, yeah, it, like, it just humanized this character in that it, it brought this storyline, like, it never necessarily detracted from anything, and it just seeing that growth of, like, apologizing to Vanya in that barn, like, it was, it was a very, like, impactful thing, because it was just, like, it, it was just, uh, you, you could see what was more of going on in his own head, and the things he was struggling with. And just seeing more of that side instead of just, uh, you know, I'm going to use my strength to fight everything that sometimes you got to, like, reflect on your own emotions to figure stuff out. It's interesting because in the comic book, the the first issue you get essentially Fat Thor, right? Like, like literally that storyline happens in the in the first issue of the second volume of Umbrella Academy. But you don't see that here because specifically they did it in Avengers. Um and that was something that they, they wrestled back and forth with in production of this is like, well, we did this before Avengers. Do we do it now in the episodes? And they didn't. Um, but I think they did a good job of showing just how like broken and falling apart he is. Um, I, I liked his arc with Vanya. I thought that was great. I thought that was a good moment. Um, in the comic books, that's actually uh, Allison that does that. She has like a redemption story with um, Vanya because you remember Vanya cut her throat. Um, I thought that was cool that they gave that to Luther and I thought that was a very poignant scene that they had their redemption together. But again, where I'm talking about consequences here is like they build up this whole thing about how important he is to this mafia Don and, and make a point of continually showing us that like there are dire consequences if he doesn't follow through on his actions. And then when he doesn't follow through on his actions, absolutely nothing happens other than he loses his crappy apartment. <laughs> so they really built that up and then just like nothing. I would disagree. I think to him that was a lot. He didn't have a lot going for him. And again, this season is the continuation of rolling the ball of that he's not number one, like Zane said. And I just felt like Luther was put in a very, very small box to play with and I liked that and I thought there were other characters that had bigger moments to do things in this um we're gonna we're gonna get to uh Diego in a bit uh Zane I think you got some things you want to say about Vanya let's go ahead and talk Vanya real quick Zane why don't you start us off you, oh. you started that at the beginning of the show will you rate her character and her arc and I, maybe elaborate on what you talked about I just oh man it was just so much that just detracted for me. Like if I'm rating her as a character on this, I mean, I'll give her a one just in the soul search that she did, but just the way that the whole arc is brought through of like, Oh my goodness, I hit you with my car and now I'm actually secretly a lesbian with you and we're going to run away from my husband. We're going to take my son with you. And like, it just felt like such a shoehorned thing. And like, it, it, and it's not one of those things that like, oh my goodness, it's lesbian stuff. That's a, like, I absolutely love the stuff with Klaus and Dave. That is so, that is so well done. This felt like such a forced thing 
that they were just like, oh, well, this is what Ellen Page wants to do, and we're going to kind of shoehorn this. It was just, it, it ruined so much that it just felt like it wasn't a natural, it, like how the, it should progress. And then like, it was just, uh, it, it kept going back to that farmhouse, and I was just like, like I'm tired of this storyline. It's it just doesn't feel like it's adding anything. It just feels like it's such a cheap. And then even so, when you get to the end, and she's like, "Oh my goodness, I gotta go back for Sissy and Harlan," and it's just like, it, it, she hits you with your car, and you've been there for I don't even remember how long. But it's like it, everything just felt just so unfulfilled and just such a like nothing was built. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, you're just supposed to accept this. and Every character just... had something to stay back for. Except maybe Luther, but Luther wanted to stay back for Allison. I, I don't know if that's a fair assessment of the character. I, I can maybe understand some of the other arguments, but the idea that she'd want to stay back, every character had that idea except for number five and Luther, right? And Klaus was feeling guilt and, and shame from that. Jared, what do you think about this? Obviously, I still love season one, but I felt like some of the storyline with Vanya was a little like some of her more personal stuff, as opposed to the whole Phoenix saga journey that she went on was eh, pretty meh. Um, that being said, this season, I actually really liked the story that they were telling about, you know, this, this old ideology of what, what marriages used to look like, right. That women were in a real sense, supposed to be seen and not heard, right. That women were more objects than people and their desires didn't matter. As long as they were being provided for by their husbands, they should be happy. Right. I think this idea of like antiquated views of gender roles in marriage. Uh, I thought it was cool that they brought that up. Now, granted some of the rest of the stuff, I think you're right saying like some of it just did feel kind of hollow or rushed to put in there. And, um, but, but I did like the whole arc there, you know, of, of her trying to figure out like, no, you know, my happiness really doesn't matter. My world is getting smaller and smaller. And you know what I mean? Um, I thought that was done pretty well. And, and I think that obviously looking at this from the view of 2020, we know that these, that's not how gender roles are to be performed, right? Women are not objects. They're not just there to provide for men and uh, vice versa. Men uh, shouldn't just see their wives as, you know, well, I'm providing a, a roof over your head. And so you have to fall, stay in love with me, right? Like uh, women have needs too, and they need to be met emotionally in all these uh, different areas. And I thought that was really cool that they touched on that for the timepiece that this was set in. Um, so yeah, I, I would push back on that a little bit. I actually did like this arc a little bit more than I thought I would. Uh, Mark, what did you give the rating? What is your rating of Vanya? And how did you feel about her arc? All right, well, two out of six. Um, if I could relate to characters to the Marvel Universe in the movies, in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Vanya's character is Captain Marvel the movie. You shut your mouth, it, Mark. It served its purpose by furthering the story and having some pieces that are going to be used later on. That is all I'm going to say about Vanya. I, this is so interesting. I must be the only person that really valued this storyline, which is shocks me a little bit. I really like. Did you not just hear my whole review? No, I, I mean I did, but like I, 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 Jared, I, I honestly think I, I liked it the most though because to echo what you said about about the discussion with women and how they were supposed to be seen and not heard, absolutely. But I think this was a fine relationship in regards to like how it was established and i i don't i, I just want to say this i don't 
care about her relationship or how like it's supposed to you know show relationships like you know what the 60s were versus what they are now and how that's changed a lot i just didn't like the overall story that vanya's character was told in season two and maybe you could take it like maybe that's redundant what i just said but i just meh it was just a mess. Yeah, you're, you're talking. You're talking the powers. You're talking. Yeah. Transference of powers and to Harlan. And the fact that she gets hit by a car and this has amnesia and they don't. Yeah. Like, oh, it was just like screw you, whoever you, you, wrote. You that totally story. stole the one piece of feedback I was gonna give. I, I was gonna say the same thing. How is this incredible, powerful person who essentially ended the world? The last episode we saw her. She gets hit by a car in the '60s, and now she loses her memory. I, that that was going to be my thing on. Yeah, Bonnie. that was lazy. Writing. I thought that was stupid. That was lazy writing. They didn't have any way to go about it. It would have been way better to have her just be grieving and literally wanting to move on. That would have been a way better way to go about it. And then she's like, "I'm not going to kill this family. I got to know this family, and I loved the stuff with Harlan. I think Harlan was the one that kept the glue together with her and Sissy." And I, I, I actually did not mind that relationship. I thought in regards to the storytelling zine, I, I would push back on that. But I, I, I enjoyed Vanya this year. I, that's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to hear, hear that. A league uh, of your own. <laughs> Apparently. Let's go to Klaus real quick. Let's talk about Klaus. And we'll just put Klaus and Ben together because that's pretty much how this whole show is. Um, Klaus is not is, – is my least favorite Umbrella Academy member. Look at us, Max. Look at us being complete opposites. I know you and I are you and I are opposite on this, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of hate from people that that love this show. And I I just he frustrates me as a character. Um, his relationships are toxic. Um, how he attempts to really work with uh, his love interest in this season, and how he's trying to convince him not to go into the military. I thought that was so so whatever. But I just every time he stubs his toe, he starts crying, and that's incredibly frustrating, annoying to me. That's the story of an addict, though. I know it's the story of an addict, but I I just don't like it. I didn't like it. There it is. I don't like it. So I know it's the story of an addict. I don't like it. And I loved when Ben finally got to take over him, and then Ben gets killed right after that. I was like, come on, people, come on. This is what I wanted. I wanted to see. Because that was the thing that Klaus and Allison, the, these last two seasons, I've wanted to see them play with these these powers. I want to see Klaus use people that are dead to do crazy things. I don't want to see him rock around and cry and be on LSD and drugs and, and alcohol. I, I want to see him use these powers and literally exercise demons. I, I want to see that. And I, I felt like I wasn't given that again this season. And... I understand that this whole season is about trauma and these characters working through these traumas of their lives, but man, I really wanted to see that and to see Ben die was so was so bad. Ben is such a great character. It felt like last season he was in the background. I am so excited for season three to see what they do with him now that spoiler alert he is back and alive in the timeline. And well, I'm really can excited that be to see how they use the him. timeline, or is it a different timeline they've entered into? Because well, it's a different timeline. But then Ben, ah, never mind. Well, that's okay. Never mind. Never that's mind. neither here nor there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. I know you're the opposite end of. So I would give I would give Klaus a two out of six. And Ben? Oh, I love Ben. I, I'd I'd give Ben a six out of six. All right. 
I give them both sixes. I would love a Klaus and Ben show, just them two, in the in the amount of time they were there. Just give me one season of that, because I think you could do a lot. It'd be funny. Klaus starting a cult? Hilarious. Him using music quotes as, like, inspirational things? Hilarious. And Destiny's Children? That was so good. Destiny's Children is, was a brilliant, brilliant yeah. choice. Yes, that was funny. I don't know. I just, I just liked the story told. I know, it, like, you know, I go back to, there's a lot of griping and self-centeredness. And I just feel like we saw more of his story where, like, yeah, he was three years sober, then went back to the bottle. Because he's, you know, he's an addict. Addicts, in most cases, if they've gone sober, will eventually go back. Or And I think, I don't know, I think his... Like, his character, I feel like, is most human, in a sense. Where, even if you have all the power, or all the money, you're still searching for something. Or you could still be searching for something. Like, he just is never satisfied with himself. And I thought, just yeah, his story I, told I in season I think that's the part of good. his character that I don't like more. I, I don't really think it is the, like, the drugs and all that stuff. I, yeah. I think it's the continual self-pity... Yep. That just drives me bananas with this character. Sure. When he has the power to literally have context. He can talk to dead people and get context. And they never play with that. And maybe they will next season. I don't know. But I just... That that stuff frustrates me. I'll get off my horse. I'm sure some Klaus people are really getting on me right now. I'm sorry. And uh, I, mean, I really enjoyed Ben, too. I feel like he got... We got yes. more of him this season, which I wanted in the first season. Yes. And, his, yeah, the whole sequence where he finally, you know, possesses Klaus's body. And, awesome. you know, does what he wants to do and just, I don't know, it just... And then, yeah, him dying, to me, just thought was like, why? Yeah. Like, I mean, Jerry, you would know, does he die like that, like, in the comic books? Or is this just like a... The series decided to do this so they could play... So I think him dying is set up for season three, so you don't have two of them. Right, like that's exactly. my only guess why you. Yeah, that. no, that that was unique to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I loved Ben and Klaus. Give me a whole series on just them, and I'm good. <laughs> no, thank you, Jared. Go ahead. All right, um, six out of six, both of these for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. Screw you, man. It's hard because like uh, you, you are touching on something here where like Klaus is like crazy powerful in the comic books. Um, they don't really touch on that much in the show. Granted, like, I liked both of these storylines. Again, talking about consequences, there was, like, I wanted Ben to be able to finally have more than just this one conversation with this girl that he'd fallen in love with. Yes. That was what, yes. they built it up so much. And, like, granted, they did deliver a little bit, but, like, they left so much on the cutting room floor there. And even, like, um, also, just a side note, you guys probably will be getting a Klaus and Ben spinoff. Um, they've been talking about it for a while. Steve Blackman, Robert Sheehan, and Justin Min are like, they said if the fans ask for it, they will 100% do it. Um, so There it is, Max. Screw yeah. you. Um, so I follow Justin Min too on Twitter as well. And like, there was a lot more to their story arc that we didn't get even. that Some of it that was just set by the wayside. Um, so do you guys remember the scene where he says like, they're in the car arguing and he says, your business is my business. And then Klaus says, congratulations, you're fired. Um, Justin Men tweeted this. He said, this is what comes after. Klaus looks at Ben's eyes in the rearview mirror. Mimes drawing a heart with two fingers as he mouths, I love you too. Ben then looks away with a smirk. Have to guess it was cut to further show the deterioration of their relationship. The more you know. I loved their story arc. I wish we would have had more endearing moments like that. 
um, and that it really felt heavier to Klaus because after Ben disappears, Klaus does not address it. That frustrated me to no end. Yes, I agree, Jarrett. I, I think Klaus needed to have a moment to like really truly grieve, not be like a baby like he is about everything else. Like truly grieve the way he grieved the loss of his loved one in the first season, right? Like I, I just think Klaus gets just they need to use him more. And and that's the gripe I have at the show in general is give me more of their powers. I'm watching this show for the powers and the characters. I'm watching it for both of those things. Come on. Do it. Wield it. Show it to me. Ugh. Zane. Uh I'm also just gonna echo what's been said. I give both of them six out of six. Yeah, screw um, all of you. Yeah, <laughs> just the way the characters interacted with each other. Um, so much of that was just, yeah, you really went into those relationships. And I feel like um, so much of it with Klaus, even though he it's so much, they don't use his powers to the full extent. But I feel like in a way, Klaus is supposed to represent kind of the worst of what we see in ourselves. And that amplifies because I think that's all he sees when he looks at himself. And I think part of this goes back to like why it's always this focus on with Ben is because you kind of get that little nod at the end, how he, he he then kind of feels like he blames himself because he told Ben not to go to the light. And then like the whole end at the, it was Ben was like, no, it like, that's not on you. You don't need to apologize for that. Like, like there was just this whole feeling that of Ben was there to kind of, cause he was the one to represent like, dude, you can be better. Like you can pull yourself up from this, but then it's always Klaus pulling himself back down. And I think part of the reason why you don't get so much of Klaus's powers is he's too focused on Ben instead of realizing what he can do and accomplish. So that's why I'm hoping with part of the thing with Ben leaving and then actually getting Ben back. Now we can actually maybe see Klaus using more of his powers because he's not just using it to focus on Ben and this perceived, um, I don't know if, alliance is necessarily the right thing to say but like just this unspoken belief that he caused him to not you know go to the afterlife quote unquote or to go beyond like he was supposed to like it was almost like a a response to like a a guilt that you should have went on when you didn't and we got a little taste of his powers in that uh and that war sequence in the beginning. Right, right. Just him, like, I look in that, it's like him and Vanya could just, they could take over the world. Right, and, and I want more of that. Give me more of that. Do you guys want a spoiler from the comic books? That's the whole point of this okay. episode. There is no, like, five time jump where he flashes the whole group to Dallas in um, at the end of the, the first arc. What happens instead is Vanya still blows up a huge chunk of the moon, and it's Klaus who uses his power to stop it. Like, he is insanely powerful in the comic books. And like you guys said, like, I think they toned that back because he's, you know, really working on keeping Ben around. And I think using all his powers to do that. But I would love to see him, like, stopping the moon from ending the world level powers from him. Like, how does that happen, though? How, like, how does he stop the moon? <laughs> like, So his whole thing is, like, obviously he can channel ghosts, but also, like, telekinesis right. and flight. Yeah. Oh. He's got, like, a whole suite of stuff in the comic books. It's pretty dope. What did we think of Diego's arc with basically being obsessed with JFK, uh, saving <laughs> JFK? 
which at times it felt like Charlie from um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Zane, where he's got the board, right? Like, did yeah, he not yeah. just feel like that half the episode? Zane, what'd you think of Diego this season? Um, like, I liked it that we got more of him. And, like, I thought so much of that came to the head when he finally had that conversation with Reggie and that you're so caught up on trying to be a hero that, like, it's getting in your way. And, like, I thought that was just so well executed that like you're you have such this image that you're a hero this is what heroes do but like like you're you're losing sight of the bigger picture that you're so caught up in being a hero when you might not be or on the other side of it of you might be a hero but you still fail heroes still fail and i feel like diego was so bent on proving no i'm a good guy i'm a hero like i can do all this stuff and then face the reality of like that, that that's not always how it happens you know i did like that there was more of him but i would still give him a two out of six because i just that hero complex just bothered me the whole time like he just couldn't like why was he so focused on i gotta save jfk like and, and to a point where it sent him into an asylum like right, that but the whole point of this show mark and, and the thing that i'll honor it and the reason it gets a five for me is it's talking about these family traumas and this family system sure. they've developed yeah. from an early age. And clearly he was the reckless one. He was yeah, the... he was someone who always needed someone to validate him. And exactly. that's why he gets so like worked up when he sees his dad, their dad, and like chases after him. Like he just wants his love. He just wants someone to tell him he loves him, that he just he's turned into a crazy psychopath. I loved it. I give it a six out of six. I'm the opposite on that end too, Mark. I, I, I love Diego this season. I loved how they used his powers, Jarrett. And maybe you can speak more to that from the comic book perspective, but the scene when they're on the farm and that army of bullets is coming and he just Matrix style stops them, I was like, that is fantastic. Which, that just confused me because it's like, I thought his power was just to be able to bend them. Like, how? not completely stop didn't matter them. i loved it i didn't fully understand the rules and i loved it right it looked cool but i thought he just had the ability to bend right that was never told right. up until that point that he could do that because there's many other instances there's a lot of throughout other the things. series where yep. it's like why didn't he use those gosh darn powers <laughs> <laughs> well and i think i like diego i like that he was dead set on dating lila and i like that he was dead set on saving jfk i, I loved it even yeah. with everybody looking at him and going, you really shouldn't do that. He's like, nah, scurry, I'm going to go save JFK. I loved that. I was like, that is so funny. I love that he somehow managed to stumble into that, like, what's that, the agency? What's that agency? Is it called the agency? Oh, the like the bureau. Yeah, whatever that place is. Yeah, yeah. the bureau, whatever it is. I love that he managed to stumble in there and then get, <laughs> by, get in that room and work with a guy on it. I loved it. Yeah. It was like it was so clunky. It wasn't smooth at all, but it happened, and I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I, I actually really enjoyed Diego this season. We'll talk about Lila a little more later when we talk about the handler. Jared, what did you think of Diego? I loved his whole character arc on this one, and I think this is, for most of the season, that weird in-between where Diego is simultaneously still trying to struggle with his hero complex, even if it's like incredibly misguided and the growth and journey that we saw him throughout the series. So like, I think even to speak beyond him sacrificing himself for the team and stopping those bullets, right? Like when he says, no, we can't start comparing numbers again because that's what's tearing us apart. We all have to be team zero. 
Team Zero, baby. I loved that. And and his whole character in this, I think, was just like experiencing vulnerability and really trying to be a better version of himself in spite of the trauma that he experienced. I mean, like, he's still dealing with that with his dad. And I think that's something that's really relatable. And it was cool to see his growth from that. Yeah, man. Success. Yeah, and, and he took such a back seat in the first yeah. season. It was really exciting to see him in the second season. Get his season. time in the sun. Let's talk about the we'll talk about the handler real quick and Lila. What did we think of the handler's arc with taking over? I guess we'll call it the bureau. For uh, forgive me, audience, I'm it's forgetting the commission. The, name. the commission. The commission. Thank you. The commission. Is. Sorry, for the commission. What did we think of her kind of taking over? Um, over and uh, Carmichael, I believe, is the name of the leader. Am I correct yes. on that? Yep, Jarrett. Yep. So over Carmichael, and then we find out that Lila was recruited by her, and she is also a child born on the same day as the Umbrella Academy. So essentially, she is one of their sisters. What did you think of their arcs? And what did you think of basically Lila was the twist this whole season? Anything involving her probably involved a twist. Uh, Zane, we'll start with you. What did you think of Lila and, and the Handler this season? Uh, for me, I actually really liked Lila. Like, I, it, yeah, a lot of the twists revolved around her. And then I loved how they finally kind of did that reflection of Cause yeah, you always think, oh, he got seven, but you knew there was other kids, but then to finally realize, realize like, oh, maybe, you know, the collection tried to find, you know, what if other people realize what happened? We're trying to find these kids. And so you have Lila. So like the collection has their own version. And then I love that the fact that her power is basically to mimic the others. And that was such a cool, I don't if, I don't know if foil's the right word, but the fact that she can go against each one individually but then also work as that group and like i wasn't expecting that i was like this was this was cool i was like especially you know you get to that farmhouse and you're just like okay what what are these guys gonna do <laughs> like she, like she's trained for this like she's like this awesome fighter like okay what 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 are you guys gonna do here that that got me when she tells allison to stop breathing i was yep. like oh my gosh they're gonna kill yep. allison again I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was just like, my mind was blown by that. Um, what I'll say on the handler, like sh she's that character that's you're annoying, but it, you don't feel like she's very threatening until she is. And then yes. you're like, like it doesn't come off threatening, but she's so scheming. My only thing that's the dig on that, that I was, I mean, it's my own personal, like, I just feel like it threw away with her with that through a everything of hazel's redemption arc from season one and then oh well jk she's back it's just like okay. yeah i didn't like, like that either zane and and hazel's kind of arc just felt like thrown away at the beginning of this season to begin right with. like it was so much of like his redemption and coming into stuff and, like i understand the whole getting the tape you know saving five and all that stuff but yeah it just felt like okay so everything he went through that you saw into five and then okay we're just gonna get rid of all that like, I understand for the story, and granted, you, you forgot about it after that first episode or two, but when you start thinking about it, you're just like, I, I wish Hazel could have stayed more fulfilled through, you know, his redemption arc, but... He was great season one. Mark, what'd you think? I really enjoyed... I mean, are we talking about Handler and... Yeah, um, I think Handler and Lila kind of got to go together. Okay, because, yeah, I enjoyed the Handler. I want to talk about her first. I liked her in the first season... And this season, I'd give her a six out of six this season. And, like, her arc and, you know, kind of her ploy to take over the commission again. And then 
you know, kind of kill five. And then, oh, why? You just said her name. I just forgot. Like, I can never remember her name. It's, uh. Lila? Lila. There you go. Thank you. I loved her story, too. I'd give that a five out of six. Kind of just, she was the twist of the series, which, to me, I didn't see that coming until the end. And No, I didn't either. And then finding out her powers, like, oh, she's just like Vanya. She's one of those. And then you figure out that she can, you know, mimic anyone's powers. And like you said, like, are they really going to kill Allison again? Like, like, like if, if they did, it's like, okay, the writers on season two need to be fired. But <laughs> the love story that we got between Diego and Lila, I thought was pretty good. How it just go back. Diego just was like, like, yep, she's my girlfriend now. And like, there was no talk about it really between them. But, um, I believed yeah. that she loves him too. Yeah. Like, like I believe that she loves well, him. Well, she and does. She's, if she's having gonna... to make these hard choices. I believe that. And I think, yeah, you're right, because it, I feel like that is a, you know, a nail in the coffin there with when he she brings him to the commission and be like, oh, yeah, he'll be one, just one of us and I'll watch over him. It's like, if she didn't really like him or love him, she wouldn't, she have, wouldn't done have done that. She wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Jared, what about you? Just so we don't retread old ground, I have, I have just two things to add. I did love the, these two, by the way, six out of six for both of them. Um one thing that was really cool, and I actually went back and rewatched this episode because after I watched the end, I was like, D- is what, what I think happening, is it is it actually happening? So when Five is chasing her through that warehouse, if you notice the way that they film it, it, she appears in places that don't make sense. And I remember thinking at the time, like, that's really weird. So they foreshadowed her ability to copy the powers right from the get-go, but we didn't catch it because we weren't paying attention, which I thought was awesome and and really well done one thing that does confuse me though is how the heck did she know that she could mimic powers like that's you know what i mean because she's never exposed to these the handler taught her that the handler taught her that and and we saw it early on right how does the handler know that she can copy powers well that's why she went to get her that's why she went no but she wouldn't know that nobody would know that she could copy powers until the first time that she encounters five and yet she's already an expert at being able to use this teleporting power Right? I bet we'll see it next season. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some hand wavy way of like, in the same way that they're like, oh yeah, Vanya just has amnesia now. And that's kind of how this show rolls a little bit, right? Like you got to kind of suspend some stuff because you only get 10 episodes. It's kind of like watching wrestling. You're right. Exactly, Max. So if you can do that, you can watch wrestling. It's not like watching This Is Us where the storytelling is great and there's no convolution. Everything is perfectly told in a neat bow. Um, last but not least, my favorite character, I'll just start off with number five, six out of six. Uh, I love his arc. I love everything with number five. I love Aiden Gallagher as an actor. I think he's dynamite. I want to see him in some Marvel stuff. I know somebody threw around in our group chat, him playing Robin in a Batman movie. I think that'd be great. Um, he, what I love about this actor is when he's in the room with the other Umbrella Academy members, he commands the room. And I, I always have appreciated that in him in the two seasons. I loved his arc yet again. I thought his, his arc was great this season. Uh, I'll pass it off to you guys. Jarrett, what'd you think about number five this season? I continue to love him. I still think he's a six out of six for me. There is, I would say that 99% of the departures that the TV series makes from the comic book pays off, right? I have almost no gripe with the way that they take their independent directions with it. One thing that frustrates me though is, for how great and amazing of a character five is in the TV series. 
there's one thing that they do in the comic books that I think would push him over the edge, which is the whole reason why he's so like constantly rude and flustered and aggressive, even with his own family members is in the comic books. They talk more about his time in the commission and essentially what they did is they cut him open and they replaced not only his DNA, but his like brainwaves with every single serial killer who's ever existed throughout time. So like he's simultaneously wrestling with this fact that like he is literally a machine made for murder. And also he loves his family more than anything. And I think that dichotomy is something that would play very well into the series that they've already built where like he's extremely distanced and standoffish and yet he's constantly fighting that to save the world. Also, I love that like for everybody else, this is like a year to three years that have passed between these two apocalypse. And for him, it's the worst week of his life. Like it literally rolls from the end of the world to the end of the world for him. And like for all that aside that I said about them departing from the comics, I still think he was six out of six. Um, I have to agree with you a hundred percent. Aiden Gallagher kills this role. I went back and watched, I think it was in a Disney channel series or whatever. And it was, I mean, it was Disney channel. It wasn't any great writing or anything. And so to see the journey from that to this, he owns this part. Like he is commanding when he's on, on TV. Um, so yeah, six out of six. I think a lot of people are watching this show, Jarrett for Ellen page. Like, I think she's the front runner in terms of actors and actresses on the show. Whenever you see the cast stuff, it's her name is always like right. the front online. every time. And I, I think Aiden Gallagher is the best actor. No question in my mind in this series. And I think to do the things they need to do, he has to command the room to do that. Mark, what'd you think of number five this season? Oh, six out of six all day. Um, the show you're thinking of, Jarrett, is Nikki, Ricky, Dickie, and Don. That's right. Yep. That is the show. Yeah, um, thank you. Our listeners were dying to know that. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> you're welcome. I was like, I knew that show because... That's I... the attention to detail you're going to get from the Infinity Bros podcast. Six out of six for number five. I mean, yeah, just like you said, for him, this has been like one terrible 10 days for him. He's like, I have to do this twice. I have to get these CSers to band together to stop the apocalypse. And gosh, there's no, like, it's good that he loves them because I think he would have killed them all. This this season would have been him killing them all and just sitting there waiting for the apocalypse to happen. I just love like when Luther goes like, no, I'm not coming with you at the bar at the beginning. And the look he gives him is like, what is wrong with you? You've like made a life with the mafia. What are you doing? It's funny too that like he, he literally saved them from the end of the world and they're all mad that they got separated. Like (laughs) he literally saved their lives. Right. Right. And they're like, well, yeah, but you didn't put us together. (laughs) And how like, okay, to go on that, they all come at different times in the early sixties. How do how do not every single one of them, except for Klaus, or I mean, know where Klaus is? Because if he started this nationwide cult, yeah, dude, where he's like known, how do you not know that he's around and go talk to him? Like that was another thing. Like going back to the writing, it's just like you're just gonna just oh no, don't worry about it. Just don't think about it. If they don't think about it, they won't know that we did a bad job here. I rated it a five, but we have really said a lot of things that we don't like about this show. It's- <laughs> I know I gave it a high rating, but I still feel well, like I'm I, I going had to give it. it a rating above Batman Forever because I know how you guys get. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we would have been upset. Zane, what did you think of number five this season? Six out of six. Like he, yeah, he just there it is. He just steals the show. Like you said, every single time he's on there, like he's just the most 
interesting character because you know it's like it's this kid but like he's playing so he's a kid but he's mentally playing someone who's like an adult but that's trying to like keep everyone together and like it's just you could just just the way it comes off of even just the frustration like when he's like okay everyone be back in this alley half an hour he shows up and it's just like well luther's here and just that the the amount of frustration how he's just like you got to be kidding me like it, it just it, he does such a good job and yeah i would love to see where his career goes and the other stuff he goes in because yeah he completely makes every scene he's in in this show he steals in this show yes um we're gonna talk about the end of season two here in a bit but i want to give uh, any side characters that we haven't talked about that you want to give any credit for? Mark, go ahead. We need to talk about we just a little bit on the Swedes. I thought that whole thing was like it gave a good creepy vibe to it, and then a good cap on their story arc. Yes, and then I like the other the way person it ended. Yes. is is the dad. That big like did we know that he was an alien in season one? No. Did we know that he was in a secret society that and he wanted control over the moon? Or at least the dark side of it. That that whole story arc in the second season, I'm like, WTF, what is going on? And it's like, he's leaving that secret society, pulls off his face, is some weird alien. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude. okay, this yeah, better be dude. explained in season three. But uh, yeah, I'd say those those uh, two group, two guys, or four guys technically. If you I would echo what you're saying, Mark. Zane, any characters that you would uh, highlight that we need to talk about? Same as what Mark said. Like, for me, I don't remember if I mentioned this right away, but, like, I love how uh, Wei and... Is it Ba? Is that how you say the other guy who wrote it with Wei? I don't remember. But so much of their influence on the X-Men, because when I see the Swedes, like, all I can think of, they took inspiration from the Stepford Cuckoos for yes. making the yes. Swedes. They and totally I love did, that. Yes. I thought about the Big Lebowski with the Swedes. Right. The Big Lebowski, but for, from the comic books, I know how much they love 90s X-Men. All I could think of was like, the, the, these are their version of the Stepford Cuckoos. And like, I was like, that's, that was perfect. And then, yeah, they gave them their own arc. And then I think that's how like it ties in like with the handler. It doesn't feel super evil, but then everything she does to set up the Swedes, you're like, my goodness, she's devious. And then, yeah, just the way that all comes together to the, you know, the climax at the end. Like they had a good story of running through it and a good end. Like I really like those as kind of that side, I don't know, villain still, but just the way their story played out. And then, yeah, finding out Reggie's an alien because <laughs> it takes the, the mask off. You're just like, uh, wh- what? <laughs> like, Excuse I'm, me? I'm, I'm <laughs> like you guys all, since we've all watched that, like, you know exactly what I was saying when I messaged the group, and I was like, Jarrett, yeah, what right. the F is yeah, going right. on in this show? That was exactly what I just finished watching. I was like, what? <laughs> for a side note for our, for our listeners, Zane literally wrote the letter F. He did not write the F Yes, word. I wrote the letter F. I want to make F. that clear, but it's very funny. <laughs> is, it any, is it weird to anybody else that Allison would tell him to kill his brother but not himself? Like, I feel like letting him live with that guilt just continues... To be like, what are you doing, Allison? Go ahead, Jerry. Well, she's she's doing that, so then they're occupied with each other. Like, if she told him to kill himself... Yeah, but why doesn't she say, like, I heard a rumor, you killed your brother, then you're going to kill yourself? Come on. I don't know, because she's not that evil. Yeah, like, why does she let him live with that? That's horrible. They'd have to dig two graves. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, Max. Good point, Zane. Jared, go ahead. The funny thing is, okay, that's literally, I think, like, on the first page of the comic. So I forgot that you guys didn't know that. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, Zane's probably losing his mind right now. <laughs> um, I thought I thought uh, Allison's husband, whoever did the acting for that, I can't seem to find it on IMDb, but he did an amazing job, um, Ray. And then I also think that, again, this is one of those things where, like, the consequences was really weird. The guy whose apartment they took over, they kind of built that character up and then was like, okay, well, he's dead now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Elliot. Elliot totally just got killed, and he got killed in a really bad way. That's literally I okay. Opening up to a little bit of uh, a peek behind the curtain of who Jarrett Curtis is. That is my literal worst nightmare. Like I literally, my <laughs> worst nightmare in life is that like one of my teeth gets pulled out on accident, or like I fall and chip a tooth. I don't know why, but like I'm literally terrified <laughs> of that. So like I did not sleep the first night that I watched that. Mark is is meticulously taking notes right now and preparing. In case I feel the same way. Anything like teeth wise injury, just like it gives me shivers. Like pulling a tooth, yeah. I've chipped a tooth before, and I just felt like it's like this gross, terrifying, that terrifying feeling. Me I get. up. Oh. Yeah. We didn't talk about Harlan. I want to talk about him real quick. Jarrett, maybe you can shed some light from a comic perspective if he's there. I don't know if he is. Does not exist at all. Nope. Okay. So did we like? Um, let me put it this way. Did we buy the concept that she was transferring powers to him? Or did we feel like that was another moment of lazy storytelling that wasn't really fully fledged? We hear him splash into the water. No more than a minute goes by. She pulls him out. And this dude is already blue in the face. Screw you, writers. Also, like, why didn't she just go and jump in the water? Right, right. Like just, but it wasn't that deep. She could have just waded in after him or whatever. Like, yeah, but Ellen Page is like four foot eleven. I mean, you don't. Know. My thing was too from that because when the whole setup when he runs away is the whole like maybe it's one of those things. I was like, oh yeah, we're just on the lake part. But if I remember right, like, does he not run down the driveway and out on the road? But then immediately they're in the forest. Like I might be remembering this wrong, Zane, but I could have Don't swore... be ridiculous. Come no, on. Like I could have swore that first scene, he's running down the road. This is Dallas area, some like farmland. You don't know what their landscape's like. Or we if you swear do, that there's water down there, Zane. There are bodies of water. No, but I'm just Texas. saying the first scene, he's running down the driveway towards the road. Then the next thing you got Vanya looking for him as she's running through the woods. It was like you ran in different directions. You didn't run the same way. We have a lot of gripes. We like this show, we promise. <laughs> Sounds like we should have all rated it like 3.7 out of 6. I was like, 5 out of 6, but <laughs> screw Klaus. That's how I am. I'm like, I hate Klaus. The comics are like infinitely more buck wild with the whole sci-fi aspect and the fantasy aspect of it. Like, like there are pogos everywhere. Like some of the law enforcement officers are monkeys. There's like almost everybody who is a villain has a superpower. And so like, there's significantly more hand wavy with it in the comic books where it's just like, ah, yeah, this is just what the world's like. And so it, it, they grounded it a little more realism in the TV series. So for having him transfer powers, I was like, well, that's kind of a weird one to like bend the rules on. Okay. So what you just said, Jared, in the comics where there's, you see more of these superheroes that are born on the same day versus what we get these six and then Lila. So like we've only gotten a taste of 
you know, a small percentage of them. Isn't that Jarrett going to be what season three, four, and potentially more will be about is all the other kids and the super villains they'll be going against? In the comic books, there are literal super, like almost everybody is a super villain that they face off against. Whereas like, there's not a single mention of a super villain besides Lila. I mean, if you can count her as a villain in this series and there's like the world is not as fantastical as it is in the comic books. I mean, with the exception of like Pogo and mom, but they grounded it so hard in realism and they're like, Oh yeah. And also this kid gets superpowers because she saved his life. Like that was a little, a little too hand wavy for me. I didn't like it. Well, we saw the end of season two was basically, it was revealed that the incident that occurred to make the nuclear explosions was once again, Vanya because they put her on, um, did they put her yeah, on LSD she got, or she got thrown on LSD. She was the one that got LSD. I, I said that about Klaus earlier, but I I, I shouldn't. So she goes on LSD, and, and she eventually was going to blow up those headquarters, which was going to cause JFK to blame the Russians, et cetera, et cetera. You can, you can read down the line. Uh, somehow Diego stops that, but changes it into a different direction, which is what we get at the end of the season. Then the team finishes their mission. They go home, and when they go home, they engage what we just know as the Sparrow Academy led by Ben, who is the new number one. Am I correct on that, Jared? He's the new number one? Okay, he's the new number one. And uh, we see Harlan at the end still able to float his Sparrow that he's holding. Uh, what are our predictions for season three? Jared, you obviously have more of a comic book perspective. So for those listening, you'll if you don't want to listen to Jared, uh, we'll put in the show notes just when this segment ends so you don't have to listen to him how did you feel about the end with the sparrow academy and then what do you think is going to happen in season three there we go i'll ask that well i really liked it just because i i felt like it the the whole story of this whole season <laughs> that it kept coming back to is you don't screw with time and that was something that it it, it always felt like you weren't having a consequence from very much of like Oh, we're just gonna stop the JFK. We're gonna then you're like, okay, what's that the the weight on this? And so it finally gets through the stuff. They save the day. Oh, we stop Vanya from exploding or whatever. And we get back to the future, but then you find out, you know, well, oh, Dad, oh, here we're here. And then he's like, well, I don't know who you are. And then yeah, you see the sparrow, sparrows whatever up on the balcony, and you realize, well, no, you're, you're you still have consequences because you interacted with stuff in the past and yeah i feel like it left everything they were saying that's why reggie created the sparrow academy or you know it it altered the timeline so now they're in a different timeline that they affected so now they're going to have consequences for what they did back in the 60s and i feel like it's going to start out with the sparrow academy kind of being that kind of the rival i don't know if they're going to go full villain on it just because i don't think that that's going to necessarily be what like Reginald is, is going for. Like, I don't really got the vibe that he's going full villain. He has his own motivations on things, but I don't think it's enough to be villain. Like they're going to go through that rivalry, but something else is going to show up in three that you're going to have that moment of, okay, we need to put aside our differences and work together to defeat whatever this new bad guy that's going to appear will be. Is there a floating orb? Or a box that is with there them? There is. Yes, there was. Okay, first off, I want more of that. I don't know what the hell that <laughs> thing is, but give me a, just a season of that. Um, for, when he says he doesn't know who they are, 
that tells me either they are totally in a different timeline, so their 60s is not the current time that they're in 60s, because in season two, we have a dinner roundtable with all the kids and Reggie. And if you're going to tell me that that dude, that alien, doesn't remember those crazy guys and gals, then screw you, writers. Because then, th- then this is what's going to happen. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe he got hit by a car. Sure. And got amnesia <laughs> and doesn't remember them. <laughs> maybe. And I hope they do that as a trope and oh. just be like, this is just our thing now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like... <laughs> Are we going to get, like, a Klaus versus Ben? Because, like, Ben's going to have, you know, conflicting, like, I don't want to fight you because I love you. And I've spent so much time, like, you died. I don't want to kill you. So, like, either they actually do battle them or, you know, like you said, they, you know, rival for a little bit. And then they find out there's a, another common goal they need to work together for. Like, maybe five, another five comes back because now he figures out that they don't explode if they run into each other. Um says, oh, the world's going to end in five days. You guys got to band together and <laughs> save the apocalypse. And I just be like, and I'll be like, I'll grab my remote. Like, I'm going to turn it off. I'm like, I can't. I can't turn it off, but I want to. This show needs a supervillain desperately. And it needs a kingpin and a per- And a real, I don't care if it's a person or an alien or a monkey. It just better not be the, like, the, the villain is the apocalypse. And we don't know what that is. Yeah, or it's someone trying to manipulate Vanya. I, yeah. I don't want that either. I agree. Um, I I, th- I think we're on the same page here, Mark. I think they're gonna band together at some point. And maybe the villain's Harlan, like an, a grown up Harlan. Yeah, Harlan. Harlan has to be the bad guy, right? Like Harlan's the bad guy. It has to be Harlan because Ellen Page, Ellen Page's character Vanya, needs something. Needs a reason to not go full fledged power, right? Because I I still think she's gonna be the most powerful. Jerry, you know the comic part of it. Go ahead and tell us what you think's coming down the line. Yeah, so so volume three of Umbrella Academy, um, one is Sweet Apocalyptica, which is Vanya's arc. Uh, number two is Dallas, which is very, very, very dissimilar to this, but it's still like JFK. And then uh, number three is Hotel Oblivion. I don't know that they're going to even come close to touching Hotel Oblivion. The whole setup is like all these villains that they've introduced you in volume uh, one and two, plus a few others that like they don't really tell you about are all locked up in this secret extra dimensional prison that Hargreaves builds. And there's like a whole arc there where villains are trying to free people from that and whatnot. Um, But what I do think that you can take from that is uh, at the very end of that, that volume, you find out that this isn't a prison. It's a trap for something. And they show this giant, like glowing extraterrestrial planet sized monstrosity. Right. And so my guess is season three is setting up Hargreaves as this, what appears to be a villain, right? Like he's going to look like a villain all through season three. And then at the end, you're going to find out that all these evil, horrible things that he did, he did for a reason. Um, Did any of you guys, this is a little off track, but did any of you guys ever play the Fable games? Yes. And you mean off topic? Yes. Off topic. My bad. Um, So, in one of the fables, I can't remember which one, uh, the king is like this self-absorbed, he's taxing everybody to death, he's building this like dictatorship army, and halfway through the game, you get taken to this desert, and you find out that there's like... It's it's three. Three, okay. There's this like ancient evil, and the whole reason the king is as demented and paranoid and quote-unquote evil as he is, is he's trying to prevent this evil from coming to his kingdom and wiping everybody out. 
And I feel like that's the direction that they're going to go with Hargreaves. Is they're going to make him the villain. They're going to make him the bad guy in the eyes of the Umbrella Academy. Really build up the conflicting relationships that they have against him. And when it comes to finally that T where where it's like the final battle or whatever, you realize that he was doing this all along to prevent whatever this thing is in the comic books that he's trying to bait out to this prison. Um, granted, Volume 4 was just announced like, I don't know, last week or something of the comic series. And that one is called, um, I think that one is called Sparrow Academy. Let me double check that. Yeah. So it may be based off of that arc and not Hotel Oblivion. I don't know. But that's my two cents. You could be onto something with that too of like, um, just from the seeds they planted in these first ones, especially with, like we know he has such an interest in the yeah, moon. Yeah, he's preparing for something. So in second one, the dark side of the moon. And even in season one, Luther was on the moon. So that would tell me wanting someone on the moon because something is coming from yeah. space. Yep. I, I would argue too, Jarrett, it, it doesn't sound crazy to me to do villains in this multidimensional place. That doesn't I would sound crazy love. Okay, Hotel Oblivion is probably my favorite of the volumes right now. I would love to see it. I think that's what they're gonna do. If what you're saying, and I'm assuming what you're saying is true, I'm not saying you don't know it. I'm just saying like not knowing anything. That sounds about right for me because what this Mark has nailed it. What this series series desperately needs right now is a villain. They need a strong villain that is not named Hargreaves. Hargreaves is obviously the thread that connects all three seasons, but they need somebody that the common good Sparrow Academy and Umbrella Academy can go fight and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we're, we, uh, we're running out of time here. So we're going to head over to the top five. The we're going in three infinity bros. Two top five. One list starts now. Every episode of our podcast, we like to do a top five. Uh, and especially on our spoiler reviews, we like to do our top five moments. So we're going to go ahead and do our top five moments of the Umbrella Academy season two. Zane, we will start with you. All right. Uh, well, just for the sake of time, we're just going to skip through this quick. Some of the honorable mentions for me is uh, Imagine Batman, then Aim Lower, the five describing basically how Diego is. Um, I love that. Just that little just rib on that. Um, I like the whole, um, I know Max is going to hate it, but Klaus going and finding Dave, trying to save him, even though Ben was just like, you're an idiot, this isn't going to work. And yeah, it didn't work. Um, and then also Klaus and Ben, when he pulls over on the side of the highway and they're fighting with each other, and then the dude drives by and it's just Klaus fighting by himself. Hilarious. All right, uh, top five. <laughs> Uh, number five for me is Klaus is telling his version of the scorpion and the frog. I was dead. Like that was hilarious how he told that entire thing because it was just so inaccurate. Um, number four is the whole fight between young five and old five, even the setup before the fight, just, um, just how that's executed and how like, in a way it reminded me of a dragon ball Z fight that they're just zipping in and out. And you're just like, I have no idea what's going on. It's just constant chaos. Like just that whole interaction they had with each other was really good. Uh, number three for me is the reveal that Reggie's actually an alien just with the 12 pulls his mask off and you're just like, what in the world is going on? Uh, number two is my favorite part for humor in this is when Luther and Diego messed up the Oga for Oga 
and then they call that old lady and tell her they're gonna come and and then a five just comes in he's like guys that's that's swedish for eye for an eye um that was that was hilarious that's my favorite comedic part of the whole season two number one for me is ben the whole moment between ben and vanya and then the whole hold me while i go that just just it just struck my soul a little bit just because he was like, there's bigger things going on that I can do my role or do a part in this and still save everybody. And I can make this sacrifice for it. That to me was impactful. Mark, what about you? Uh, Number five opening with that, or it didn't open, but the, World War Three like fight that we get, and I'm thinking, oh, this is gonna be the whole season. Hell yeah, and we're gonna see them just battling people and the Russians. I'm like, give me more of that, and then that wasn't the case. And anyways, um, number four, I really enjoyed the song choices they used throughout the whole season. I don't know if that really counts. Like there are many moments, but like, I, I think they did a really good job with like some being covers and some being songs. We're like, why would you use that here? But I love it so much. So um, given now now I'm giving the show some love. Um, my number three, I would say the fives fighting with each other, that was really fun and just like I thought the same thing Zane like it just felt very DBZ to me, just right. just as fat like that's how I think a fight if they made another live action DBZ movie and like actually cared about it that's kind of how you would do like you would see them constantly going but someone like Luther would just see like flashes and that's kind of all. That he would see. Um, my number two is Reginald revealing that he's an alien. And that's the whole thing. Like, you know, if you haven't watched this and you're listening to this basically spoiler-filled podcast, you don't see his face. You just see the back of it. So maybe he's just a really bad burn victim and he has a mask. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then my number one is Klaus quoting TLC yes. throughout the movie. <laughs> Don't go chasing waterfalls. Gosh, Destiny's Children. Just <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I'll go next, Jarrett. We'll close out with you. Uh, number five was, when uh, number five was ironically, when five turns back time, when the handler comes and shoots them. I love anything that plays with time travel, and I like that he finally made the adjustment to turn back seconds versus long periods of time. Uh, yeah, you're going to get a lot of number five on my list. Number four is number five kills the board. I loved this scene. We didn't even talk about this much, but I loved how you didn't really even see him kill them. You just saw them dead. And to me, that's a clever way of letting the audience fill in the gaps. And I think sometimes shows show too much. And I think that was an example of they didn't have to do it. For whatever reason, maybe it was to showcase his powers or to go less on the effects. I don't know what they were doing, but I thought it was a clever choice. Number three, I would agree with you, Zane, for your number one, Ben's death. You nailed it. Everything you said, I echo. Uh, number two, Mark and Zane both yelled, nailed it. Uh, five versus five. I loved it. I love the panning shot of Luther screaming when they're doing it. Like I, I, I'm fa- I would love to see behind the scenes of how they kind of made that work. Uh, that scene was really great, but I also enjoyed just the five and five, like how they both were itchy and they were, <laughs> they had, par- parad- what was the phrasing? It was like paradoxal dyslexia or something like 
you have paradoxical dyslexia? <laughs> no, I've never felt better in my life. I loved that stuff. That was just great. They both were off their rockers. I was busting a gut. I was laughing out loud when I watched that scene. I thought it was great. But number one, I thought was the final scene of this season, the Sparrow Academy. My jaw hit the floor. I did not see it coming. Um, yeah, Zane, I agree. The theme of time you shouldn't mess with all season was was echoed. But I really thought when they got back that, you know, maybe one little thing was going to change. I didn't think it was going to be that big. Um, and I really enjoyed that reveal. And Mark, like you said earlier, I cannot wait for season three, episode one. So, Jarrett, close us out. Number five, I had a hard time deciding between the alien reveal and uh, Ben and Klaus's scene where they're like fighting over control of the possession uh, when they're meeting in the alleyway. I thought that was so visually stunning, but I have to give it to the alien reveal because that was such a big moment. Obviously, it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that uh, we don't know he's an alien yet. Um, uh, Number four was Luther and Vanya the first time that they meet up. Um, It was a really emotional beat, and I thought that it was really well done. Uh, number three, I lumped all these together. I didn't separate them like Zane did. It was the Imagine Batman that aim lower. And then the line where she said, um, I'm so confused by yogurt. Like, when does it know to stop being milk? Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally like snorted coffee through my nose when she said that. Um, and then his scorpion and frog thing. Uh, number two was the civil rights protest. I thought it was cool to have that in there and the way they handled that. Um, and number one is uh, kind of two things wrapped together. It was when... They're all together again, and Ben says, I missed you all so very much. And then Klaus chooses not to tell them that. And then again at the end when he says, will you just hug me while I go? Um, Ben's Ben's like self-sacrificial and loving nature was just, I was all in on it this season. Guys, thank you again for coming on. Uh, Zane, uh, as you said, this, this episode was off the walls, much like this season. I thought you did a great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, cool. Uh, Mark, uh, you were okay. I give your review of the Umbrella Academy season two a two out of six. Well, I'm going to hit you with a hard fact, Max, and this might be scary to you. And I respect your rating of Umbrella Academy because I'm a good friend to you. Like wrestling, I think that's fake and all full of crap. Uh, Jarrett, uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, you were real. You were great. I wouldn't say you were real great. You know, it's not the first time I've heard that. Um, thanks. I'm, uh, I'm glad I could be here. I'm glad I could be on an episode with Zane. Uh, I forgot what his voice sounded like because he's rarely on, but man, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> well, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As we said, leave us an iTunes review if you'd like. We'd love to read that on the next episode. This is a bonus episode, so you'll be able to check out episode 46, I believe, which is coming out later this week. And uh, as always, we love you guys 3,000. We're grateful for you, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>